what I want is to help my kids be as fully human as they can and to be open to the full breadth of the human experience. And that includes happiness and it includes a whole bunch of other things in between. And the more capable I can let my kid be themselves and experience and understand the resilience of moving through the breadth of that human experience, that's a lot more important than me trying to keep them happy all the time. And I was like, dang, that was good. Hello, we are so glad you're here at Doc Working, the Whole Physician Podcast. I'm Jill Farmer, one of the lead coaches at Doc Working, and I am really excited today to be joined by the author of the upcoming book called A Hero's Journey in Parenting, Parenting the Child You Didn't Expect When You Were Expecting, Margaret Webb, who is a parenting coach, the parent of a 17-year-old son who she calls her best teacher, who was diagnosed on the autism spectrum as a toddler and has given her, as she and I jokingly kid, a PhD in parenting that has helped her to be able to provide incredible support and ideas to other parents who are on a parenting journey. So whether you are parenting a child that you didn't expect when you were expecting, or you're just finding parenting in general, (laughs) really challenging, and especially with the pressurized life of a physician, we have today some ideas and Margaret's going to share a specific process that she has found to be wildly successful, both in her own life as a parent and as a parenting coach that seems to work really well with physicians. So Margaret, give us just the thumbnail sketch for those of us who don't know your story about your life and what you know about physicians and when it comes to parenting the child that they didn't expect a little bit. Yes. So I'm so excited to be here. And I am married to a neurosurgeon and we have been married for 25 years. We were married at 23. So I've been through the whole medical school, residency, fellowship, practice starting process with him. And while we were doing that, I was teaching as an elementary school teacher, and then became the mother of our now almost 18-year-old son who is autistic and, like Jill said, is like our best teacher ever and really challenges us to look at things differently, which at first was really frustrating and, you know, kind of challenging, but it's actually been one of the best gifts ever getting through and it's taught us so much about ourselves and about how we approach things. And yeah, I'm really excited to share the process that we use all of the time that helps us every single day. And I can say from personal experience in knowing many clients and people who've been lucky enough to work with Margaret, that the way that she approaches parenting and kind of coming to the place of parenting where instead of fighting against or battling all of the challenges and trying to fix things to make things so that everything is just the way you want it to be or the way you plan. She has an incredible approach at helping people sort of turn the ship in a direction for themselves toward thriving, which helps them thrive as parents and then helps the kids thrive as well. So it's always really incredible to behold people working with her and seeing them go through that process. You have a lot of different tools that you teach, but one of the ones that you found to be the most useful, and I know your husband, a friend, the brain surgeon also thinks that it's the one that really comes naturally for physicians to understand based on the way they think and work. 
and it's called the tying it process. So walk us through it a little bit, if you would. Yeah. So it is tiant, kind of like giant, but with a T. And I had initially come to it as part of a retreat that I was on. And so the letters stand for T for tension, I for intention, A for attention. And then the NT stands for no tension. However, I like to clarify that with it being less tension. And when I first learned about the importance of setting intentions, I thought, okay, this is great. Setting an intention is wonderful. So, okay, great. I'm just going to start with setting intentions for how I want parenting to be or how I want the day to go or how I want this trip to be. And then I realized that there's a step before that, because usually in life, at least in my life, There's usually something that causes tension that leads me to want to set an intention. And so that's why the T is very important. And when my husband and I would talk about this, he's like, yes, you know, people come to me and they've got tension in their life. They've got something that's wrong. Like they're not feeling well, they've got pain, they've got symptoms. And so that is what is causing them tension. And then we figure out, well, what is the intention? They want to not have pain. They want to feel better. And then the attention is what are all the different approaches that can help us to address this. And then at some point, there are things that we can't control, which is the no tension or less tension. When I apply that in parenting, it's the same thing. It's realizing, okay, this particular situation is causing me tension. And it might be, you know, oh, my child's having a tantrum or a meltdown, or they are having certain behaviors, or there's problems at school. So that causes tension. And then to take a pause and think about, well, what is our intention? What do we want? Why do we want this? And I find this so fascinating because oftentimes people will recommend certain therapies or certain activities and they'll recommend them to their friends and they'll say, oh, you know, you need to do this. You need to do this. You need to go see this person or you need to try this therapy. You need to do this particular activity, sign them up. And parents are like, okay, it's kind of like they end up playing a game of whack-a-mole where it's just, you know, oh, okay, we'll just do this, do that. But if you press pause and think, what is the intention behind why we want to do this? Why we want to try this? What is it going to give us? That then helps to bring clarity around whether or not that actually feels good whether it fits in the family plan, whether it's, you know, in alignment with what you're wanting. And if so, then awesome. Then you go to the next step, which is the attention is like, okay, well then what does this look like? And what questions need to be asked? What information, especially if you have a child who has special needs or learns different or just has information that you know that could help those who are working with your child bringing that to the conversation to kind of get the big picture of what is the attention I can give to this. That's so empowering before you even get into something. Now, if you check in with your intention and it's not something that you feel okay with, then the attention shifts to, okay, that's good information. 
it's not a good fit for us right now. And that's another thing is sometimes people don't know what to say when other people are giving recommendations. And so having something like, well, that's very interesting. And I'm so excited that that worked for you or that you love that, but that's not a good fit for us, for our family right now. And I'll just tuck it away. Having things like that can be really helpful just to help you feel more comfortable in challenging conversations like that. And then the no tension or the less tension is releasing the need for things to go a specific way because we're not in control. We can't control everything. And if we feel like we can control things, then that brings kind of a needy, graspy energy to the situation, which doesn't leave room for learning and growth. It's, it has to go this way and it has to go right the first time, which as a physician, you know, you are not in control of everything and of how things go. And sometimes things work great and sometimes they don't work great. And you have to kind of go back to the beginning of the process of, okay, now here's the tension and what do we do and how do we proceed from that? I love this process for a million reasons. And anybody who's been listening to the podcast for any length of time and heard Gabriella Dennery, MD, one of the other lead coaches at Doc Working, and I talk about intention and the difference between intentions and goals, right? Goals can be the target, but the intention is the aim. It's the why does this matter? I always say it's got a lot deeper roots and stronger legs than just whatever the extrinsic or external goal is. And I really like this in the tie-ant process. The idea of recognizing that tension is just the signpost. It's just an alert, right? We tend to a lot of times default subconsciously. We don't mean to. And I see this a lot with my physician clients and I see it in myself all the time, probably in myself more than even in my clients, that when tension shows up, which means my amygdala hijacks my brain and I go into <gasps> something is wrong, which for me almost always immediately converts to I am wrong or someone is wrong. And so my immediate subconscious reaction cycle is shame and blame. And when I'm in shame and blame, you know, in my head, then I want to jump into action, not with any plan, not with any intention, but I want to get into frenetic action. Other clients I have that let the tension when they're not paying attention to it as a signpost immediately shut down and jump into no action, but they're sort of hiding and pretending and wanting it to just go away. And so I really think, I just want to highlight that point that you make that the tension, which is the situation or the circumstance or the challenge, if you will, is a signpost that can guide you through the process that brings you to often peace, progress, growth, meaning. That's one of my favorite things about this process is sort of owning that the tension isn't bad or wrong. It's the signpost that helps to start the journey. Absolutely. And it's applicable to so many things. Like we literally sit down and we use this process before holiday gatherings. You know, back when we could travel, we would use it for traveling because I would sit down and think, well, what usually causes me tension before we have a holiday gathering or before we travel? And being able to identify that, especially as a parent, to say, you know what, the tension is that I'm the one who's always responsible for XYZ. And I'm the one sweating as we are leaving or as we're getting ready for people to come over, or I'm the one who then feels shame or bad if I forget something. And so to be able to name it and put it out there ahead of time to then think, well, how do we want this experience to feel all of us? 
and we have brought our son into this process as well. And so he now does it, but to be able to get clear on what do we all want to be feeling, which for me usually boils down to, I want more ease and I want more joy. And then specifically the attention of what does that look like? Really, it can be so simple and it doesn't have to be an hour long activity. It can be, all right, boom, like a five minute thing, but it just brings clarity. And then it also helps everybody to get on the same page. And even if people in your sphere, if they're not willing to help as much as you would like them to help, that's also good information. And then from there, you can make choices and decide what attention is important. But, you know, focusing on yourself first Mm -hmm. and what causes that tension and doing what you can to ease that tension and have less tension. It changes everything. It does. And I love the last part, you know, it's the tie-in is tension, intention, attention, right? That's the signpost, the intention of how do I want to feel and who do I want to be in this process, not just letting yourself get drugged by it. Attention is the good old fashioned steps that you're taking, you know, and then the no tension or less tension you know, star asterisk there, no tension. I think that's something that can be so helpful for physicians too, because I know in working with my physician clients that, yeah, like a lot of humans and particularly humans who are a little bit prone to perfectionism, like some of all y'all are, there can be a lot of attachment to outcome. And another thing that is very common in physicians is curiosity, a love of learning. So if you can set aside a little bit of the perfectionism and the white knuckling, gripping the outcome in this situation, whether it's a challenge with a child, whether it's a tough conversation you're having with your vision head, this process works for that as well. Getting curious and being open, as you said, for some growth or possibility after you've taken the action is something that also comes naturally to physicians and is going to be better serving you than that tightness or attachment to the outcome. Is that how you see it too? Or am I seeing it in the same way the process was intended? Absolutely. Yeah. Like I always look at it like before I would play with the process, it was like a horse with the blinders on and only a very limited view of what was possible. And with this process, it's like blinders are off and I can be curious and I can be open to brainstorming and to looking at things happening in different ways, in ways that might require some mental wiggling and shifting because it might be a little uncomfortable to venture into different ways of being. But the more that I do it, then the easier it becomes. And I see like, I don't take things as personally because it's like, oh, okay, all right, let's try this. How about this? And, you know, it just opens things up. Yeah. And as scientists, right. And I know a lot of my clients in academic medicine, when we can reframe those situations, like, wait, okay. Yeah. Sometimes results of research that are different than the hypothesis can have even more powerful findings than when it was just, than things lined up with the hypothesis. And I think that taking some curiosity, some willingness to be an experimenter in this process called life and in this process called parenting. Even if you're on your second, third, fourth, fifth kid, each kid provides its own laboratory right, for learning new things, as I can attest to as the parent of more than one as well. I know your husband, the neurosurgeon, Margaret, has said he thinks this process works particularly well for physicians because they get it because it's kind of similar to the work they do. Why do you think that is? 
Well, because when we were talking about it, he's like, this is what we do. You know, patients come to us and this is what we do. We listen to their stories and the listening of the stories then reveals often where the tension lies and listening to the story then can also help with what they're actually wanting, which then helps him to be able to decide. But having that process also, he's like, it helps to do something else that is really important in parenting that's part of this is to not get tangled up in the stories. Like you're listening to the stories, but not jumping into the stories of your patients, just like you don't want to jump into the stories of your kids, which really can be very challenging because it's like, oh, we want them to be happy. Our intention is for them to be happy, but sometimes we can't control that. And so being able to stay separate from that and being the observer and being curious about, okay, well, what's actually going on here that isn't necessarily on the surface. And I think physicians are brilliant at that. They have the brain patterning and they have the experience of hearing the stories that they can see like, oh, wait, hold on. Okay. This person is saying this, but this is probably what's actually going on. And I think the more that you can do that as a parent, then you start seeing patterns of, oh, okay, what's actually going on is, you know, maybe they're embarrassed. And so this kind of bizarre behavior or their like snarky comments or whatever, just different things that show up on the surface, the behavior looks one way. But if you can tap into that curiosity and seeing like what's actually underneath this embarrassment or, I mean, there's so many different things. Being able to, yeah, embarrassment, fear, a lot of times with kids who have learning differences or just who have diagnosis of a variety of things. It can be emotional regulation, sensory overload, chronological age is different from the developmental age that they're behaving at in that moment, which can be really tricky because they can shift within seconds. And so kind of navigating that can be a challenge power struggles, needing to close loops. So those are some things, but to have kind of a checklist of, oh yeah, okay, these are the typical underlying causes, but when they show up, they look like this. And so that's the story, but what's the under story? You know, I think physicians are really good at that. I love that. And I think you bring up a really good point. We can get really attached as parents, whether our kids have challenges or just whatever. I mean, every kid has challenges, but as parents, we get really attached sometimes to needing our kids to quote, be happy, which really means I want my kid to kind of be perfect so I can feel good about myself as a parent and I can feel safe and I can know I'm doing a good job. You know, I got some really good advice from a wise person when my kids were in those younger years of kind of transitioning into early elementary. And I was like, I'm trying to do all I can to make sure that they're happy, you know, and well-adjusted. And she said, you know, I really think if I could say something to my young parent self, and this was somebody who was older than me by a few decades, I would say, what I want is to help my kids be as fully human as they can and to be open to the full breadth of the human experience. And that includes happiness and it includes a whole bunch of other things in between. And the more capable I can let my kid be themselves and experience and understand the resilience of moving through the breadth of that human experience. That's a lot more important than me trying to keep them happy all the time. And I was like, dang, 
That was good. <laughs> That's so good. And as you were saying that, it's like you've mentioned perfectionism a number of times. Like one of the things that I say all the time is like, we are role models for our kids of what it means to be an adult. We are their role models. And that involves us taking care of ourselves and making ourselves happy, bringing joy to ourselves. It also involves letting them see us process and work through those times that don't go well. Instead of just being like, well, you know, I need to be perfect all the time, or I need everything to go right. It's like, it's such a gift to be able to say, oh my gosh, like this did not work out at all the way that I expected it to, or the way that I wanted it to. And I'm going to have, you know, a few minutes of a pity party. I'm going to have a little tantrum maybe for myself. And then I'm going to go back into the tie-in process. But I think for them to see us as adults and as their parents going through that and not making everything look perfect and seeing, oh, okay, you can have these challenges. And then five minutes later, you can be happy. You can have it all. Like you said, the whole breadth of the human experience. I love that. Yeah, really good. Margaret Webb, parenting coach, extraordinaire, author of the upcoming book, a Hero's Journey in Parenting, Parenting the Child You Didn't Expect When You Were Expecting. Head on over to margaretweblifecoaching.com for all kinds of resources for parents. And let's all, whether we have kids or not, <laughs> whether we're parents, whatever challenge, I think the world's going to be a better place if we can all begin to use this tie-ant process. Again, it's tension, paying attention to the signposts of that stuff that comes off, not judging ourselves, not rushing off into action or hiding our heads in the sand. Pay attention to the signpost, set an intention for how we want to be in the situation and move through it. Give it the attention it needs with curiosity, with an open mind, using steps that you know will work, getting all the information you need, and then let go of the outcome and that white knuckling of the outcome with no tension or less tension, that's tie-ant. And it's just such a good framework for all of us to remember. And I hope you all use this process as you face challenges coming up in the week ahead. If you learned anything or got anything meaningful out of this, please give us a five-star rating on whatever platform you have listened to this podcast. It really helps us be able to bring this podcast to all the physicians in the world and other interested people who love listening to it and have gotten great information out of it. And if you haven't headed over to docworking.com to sign up to make sure you know about all of the resources and things that we have available to physicians to help them thrive in medicine and in life, please hop over to docworking.com and sign up. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for being here, Margaret. You gave us so much great information. We're so glad you're here. And thanks to all of our listeners for joining us on this edition of Doc Working the Whole Physician podcast. Until next time, I'm Jill Farmer. Hello, and thank you for listening. This is Amanda Taran. I'm the producer of the Doc Working podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast, please like and subscribe. We would also love it if you checked out our website, which is docworking.com. And you can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram. On Instagram, we are docworking1, and that is with the number 1. 
When you check us out on social, please let us know what you would like to hear on the podcast. Your feedback really means a lot to us. And if you're a physician with a story you'd like to tell, please reach out to me at amanda at docworking.com to apply to be on the podcast. Thank you again, and we look forward to talking with you on the next episode of Doc Working, the Whole Physician Podcast.